This is episode number 98 with Daniel Burke. Welcome to the Practical Christian Podcast. My name is Travis Albritton, your friendly neighborhood Bible teacher, and every day we'll dive into the tips, tricks, and hacks that you can implement in your daily life to become a more effective Christian. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump in to your daily dose of Practical Christian Training. Well, hey there, welcome back to another interview episode here on the podcast. And today I get to interview uh, one of my friends, Daniel Burke. Daniel and I have been friends for a while. We actually met on a uh, a semi-mission trip. So we were both in South Carolina at the time. And over the summer, they sent out these little campus ministry planting teams. And so we went together down to Charleston to help start a campus ministry at the college there. And so... So that's how we met, and then we kind of went our separate ways as, you know, life happens, but recently we were able to reconnect over our ministries, because Daniel also has a website for teaching uh, Bible things online. And so uh, I was very excited to have him on, just to pick his brain, and to have him talk about the things that he's been doing. And so the things that you'll hear about in this episode are things like how he accidentally became a Bible teacher— Yes, that's a thing. You can accidentally do that. <laughs> and uh, uh, what he learned by reading the entire Bible in just 30 days. You did not hear that wrong. He actually read the whole Bible in 30 days. And then another thing that I think you will really uh, get a lot out of is how he was able to help someone become a Christian through Facebook. I know that's kind of like the holy grail of, you know, how can we use social media to help spread the gospel? And so I have him share that story with you as well. But uh, such an action-packed episode. I know you get so much out of it. Without further ado, here is my conversation with Daniel Burke. Well, Daniel, it is great to, uh, to see you, and thank you for coming on the podcast today. Oh, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So for those who are listening that aren't familiar with you, your uh, online teaching ministry, and, and kind of what you do, if you could give me just like a two-minute rundown on uh, what you are all about. Yeah, well, <clears throat> back in 2015, I, I was in college at Clemson University. I wrote all the time just on my own. I, I was reading a lot of books. I was a history major and philosophy minor, so actually my whole degree is essentially specializing in reading. So a lot of uh, money spent on that conversation for another day. But uh, (laughs) while I was writing and I was reading, a lot of my free time was spent researching uh, deeper theologies of the Bible. I would read the Bible uh, sometimes very quickly, and I would research questions I had that, you know, had to do with original languages, had to do with the history or archaeology of Old Testament stuff. Questions that you don't just kind of bring up in a conversation and expect an answer. It really requires maybe reading a whole book just to find out a little bit or the right direction to go. And I would write my findings and I would uh, sometimes share them, sometimes not. And then there was just this archive building. Uh, I would have journals. I would often write or type my prayers. And then it just thoughts and, and questions and answers started formulating. And I said, you know, I'm just going to start writing maybe an article, maybe two articles about some of the stuff. And, uh, and I would, and maybe I'd post it on Facebook and it was, it was just kind of nothing. Uh, but then I was like, you know, 
I really like doing this. It, it, it makes me feel like I am doing what I should be doing, having found what I think is an awesome answer to this question I had. Uh, and so I started building this really basic blog. Uh, it was nothing. It, it wasn't even a custom domain. It was like truth.deberk2 at Wix. It was like, no one could find it. I didn't care about it. No one else cared about it. Uh, and so I just started writing and I started writing maybe once a month. I would write an article that I felt like was quote worthy of being quote put on this website, you know, and then it formulated and it, it kind of morphed and I started writing more and, uh, I can't remember how exactly or when it, it, it developed into a website, into something that I really started just putting a lot of time into it. But different series started taking place where I would do, you know, read your Bible series. I would do uh, a lifestyle evangelism series. I would do 30 days of prayer series. And I would start asking, actually, you, I asked you once or twice to, to write something for the website. I asked different people kind of all over the place that I had observed or identified as, as an influencer to help me make this blog something that's really useful for other people. Once I started doing that, I realized there's a lot of people who want to write and or teach, but they have no way to do it. They have nowhere to go. They're like, oh, I, I want to, but how? And so I actually made my website a place where anyone within reason, and there were, there were some guidelines, but anyone could teach what they're learning about the Bible. And so I got people writing about uh, stress. I got people writing about grief and uh, going to Jesus in times of trouble and just all kinds of fun stuff that you would read from this person's perspective that they obviously have a heart for what they're saying, but they just don't know what, what avenue to get it out there. So over time, uh, the website turned into just a place where I would just, I would build an email list. Uh, the 31 Days of Prayer became a book. It was originally just a series. Lifestyle Evangelism, again, a series that will now be a book. Uh, now there's over 85 countries that regularly visit the website, and it's, it's organic. I, you know, yes, Disciples Today has posted a few of my things, which is awesome. Uh, but sometimes I just write something, and I, I kind of forget about it, to be totally honest. And then I go and I read comments. I'm like, oh, wow, someone's, someone's noticing this. That's pretty cool that, you know, that this article can be helpful to someone. So. So you, you stumbled onto becoming an online Bible teacher is essentially what you're saying. I, I stumbled onto it. Yeah. I, uh, I just love writing. It's a passion of mine. I love reading when I do, when I write, when I read about something that I feel is deep in the heart of God, I feel like I'm doing what I am meant to do. It, it feeds me. It makes me feel spiritually high. I just feel like, man, this is awesome. And so I, I found that in doing so, I, I just, even if I help one person in some obscure part of some small country in Africa or Asia by writing this, then it was worth it because not only am I helped, but that one person out there can, can see something in it too. So it makes me feel like I'm doing God's work. So that's awesome, man. So we actually met uh, while we were both in college in, yeah. uh, in Columbia, South Carolina, and we went on a week-long mission trip and, to Charleston, and that was yeah. like the first time that we interacted. And so it's cool even to see how over the years, you know, from a, from a distance, like keeping up over Facebook and seeing different things happen. And, and really when yeah. you got back on my radar recently 
was when I saw you doing this 30 day Bible reading plan. And yeah. I thought that is audacious. That that is aggressive. <laughs> because it was. Because <laughs> normally you think of a Bible reading plan as being like a year long. And even yeah. that, it's like, wow, that's a big commitment. Maybe I'll do the New Testament in a year. But no, <laughs> you were gonna do the entire Bible in 30 days. So where yeah. where did that idea come from? So that idea was a culmination of several things in my life. I think namely how much I had to absorb in college that I had dedicated hours to learning, paid money to be taught. And, you know, through one means or another, I decided, you know, why don't I put this amount of effort? Like, would I be willing to pay $120,000 of tuition for the Bible? And, you know, these thoughts started going in my mind. Like, why? Any of these, these questions where, you know, I'm reading stuff I don't care about for hours. I'm writing stuff. I wish, you know, like, I'm like, I hate this so much. I want to die. And I'm doing that for hours. Why am I not doing that with the Bible? Why am I not willing at least to dedicate a month to do that with the Bible? Because everyone has lives and it's not realistic to spend four or five hours in the Bible every day forever. But I'm like, you know what? I'm going to devote 30 days to reading the whole Bible. And uh, actually, for years, it had always been my dream to read the whole Bible in seven days. I haven't done that yet because that just that's like PTO. I have to take work off. That's just crazy. So <laughs> I haven't done that yet. But I said, you know, I'm going to research what this looks like. Has anyone else done it? There were a few people out there that had done that, and there were these plans. And so I found some of these plans, and I, I altered them to, to make it kind of make sense for me. But I'm like, I'm just going to throw this on the website, you know, whatever. Uh, I sent it out to my email list, which was like a hundred people, maybe not even. Um, and I, I think, I can't remember how it happened, but either I reached out to Roger Lamb or he reached out to me and uh, I said, Hey, I'm starting this at the, at the, at the top of the year. This was 20, I guess, 2016. And, uh, maybe people are interested and he's like, I love this. So he put it on disciples today. And I think five or six countries were like, like knee deep in this plan. I mean, People emailed me, hey, we, our whole Bible talk, and I can't remember what, what country, our whole Bible talk is doing this. And hey, my wife and I really just need a rejuvenated Bible study. We're doing this together. You know, hey, I'm, you know, I'm a guy at this university. I'm do, just getting emails. I'm like, this is awesome. Uh, do I know how many people finished it? No, no clue, not an idea. But I did that. I had to wake up. So in the same life, life uh, period, I started in the ministry in Charleston. Uh, I was a full-time graduate student in theology. So I was taking nine graduate level classes or nine graduate credits, the three classes, one of which was Hebrew, uh, which if anyone knows, takes a lot of time. And so I took Hebrew, two other classes, and I was reading the Bible in 30 days. So I had to wake up every day around four in the morning, read the Bible for about two and a half, three hours before I would start my homework, before I would do my ministry work. And that was going on every day for 30 days. It was very difficult. There were some days, especially in like, you know, the names of First Chronicles and reading through parts of Isaiah. Even I love Isaiah when I'm reading it over a month, maybe two months. But when you're reading the whole book of Isaiah in a day, it's hard. So there were days I, re I regretted it, I'll be honest. But it was an amazing experience. People say, How? you can't get anything out of reading the Bible that fast. 
read the Bible that fast and then tell me that because I promise you can get something out of reading the Bible that fast. Yeah. And uh, if you're listening and you're not, you're not familiar with uh, Disciples Today, it's essentially a website that um, highlights things that are going on in the family of churches that Daniel and myself are a part of. Um, and so, so I love that. And, and I actually, I wasn't able to do the 30 days. I did the 60-day plan, and I finished it in 75 days. But, That's so amazing. I, I did That's a hybrid still. plan. <laughs> but, uh, but no, it was, it was amazing to me how, you know, the Bible had been, I had been reading the Bible for myself, like seriously studying it for about 10 years at that point. And it was crazy the things that jumped out to me that I had never noticed before, just because yeah. I was consuming so much at once. Yeah. What, yeah. Was, what were like some of your main takeaways from just reading through so much scripture back to back to back? What were the things that really jumped out at you? You know, what, what was amazing to me, the storyline and narrative of the Bible is so congruent. And we, we don't always see that because we read not only book by book, but we read a chapter, we read another chapter, maybe we'll switch to a different book the next day. And I, I understand the book of Genesis more than I ever have because I read it in one sitting. If you read the book of Genesis, you realize this family tree that God introduced himself to the world through. I mean, they had, they had some serious problems. I mean, they were, they were a problematic family, but all of them, and you're like, oh, wow, wait, hold on. I'm reading the great, great grandson of this guy. And you're like, you're, you're building this family tree in your mind that in the past, you're just like, well, these are just different stories all throughout the book. I was like, no, that's one family. <laughs> like, whoa, that's crazy. Uh, and then you'll read, you know, you'll read about these kings and these judges that'll start popping up in, in these minor and major prophets. Like, oh, wait a second. I, two days ago, I read about this guy in, in, in first and second Kings and now he's showing, oh, wow. So this is the same time period. And you'll read a Psalm. You're like, oh yeah, I just read that story like earlier today and I'm reading it now in a Psalm. So it, everything starts to connect to other stuff. And it's really just incredible how that works. Yeah. That was the biggest takeaway that I had was just seeing how clear major themes in the Bible become yeah. when you start to connect all these dots and you see very how the, clear. The Bible is just this one unified story of God yeah. consistently reaching out to his people and giving them second chances and third yeah. chances and fourth chances and disciplining them when he needs to, yeah. but wanting them back and giving them opportunities to redeem themselves. And it's just incredible. Like the love of God just screams at you when you read yes. the Bible like that. Yes, it does. So, uh, so I want to switch it up. So the 30 days of prayer, the 31 days of prayer that you did, it was a 30 or 31. It was 30. And then it was 31. The, the last day was a bonus day. <laughs> I like that. So 30 originally. And then I changed. So under promise over deliver. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what was the, cause that was a little bit of a different project where yeah. you were collaborating with people. Yeah. To, yeah. yeah to basically have 31 lessons devoted yeah. to prayer in the Bible. So what, yeah. uh, tell me a little bit about that project and yes. what stimulated that. Yeah. So my, now my wife, but at the time my girlfriend and I lived with the Madrid church in Spain, uh, separately for those of you listening, we did not live together. <laughs> and, uh, we, you know, we were out there, we were teaching, uh, we, you know, we were just, we were living in Spain. It, it may sound to some people like this glorious, amazing mission. Oh, wow. They're out there on the front lines for me. And I'll, I'll speak just for me. 
there were days I'm like, man, like what, what am I doing? I felt just this overwhelming depression some days. Um, and, and side note, I actually had to come back to the United States for a month to get back surgery. So the first few months I was there, I was writhing in pain. Uh, so that obviously contributed to some of just my overall, overall, you know, well-being. But beside that, I, over several weeks, I was, I was just thinking to myself, I am not relying on prayer in the ways that not only do I need to be, but in the ways that are, are really going to feed my overall spiritual life. And my, my whole goal in life as a disciple, as a Christian, is to feed others with God. But I realized not only was I not feeding others, but I wasn't fed. And you can't feed what you don't have. And so I read about prayer and I thought about prayer. And I was doing all this stuff, like trying to fill, my stuff, fill myself with prayer without praying. It was like this convoluted way that I was not really getting the point. And I, I realized one day, I was like, what am I doing? I'm not praying. I'm reading about prayer. I'm asking people about prayer, but I'm not praying. So I'm like, forget this. I'm starting a series on my website. And for some reason, when I do something publicly in the public eye, it's this accountability. I'm like, well, I have to do it now. <laughs> uh, so I started this series and the whole point of it is I, you, you read these small lessons, usually a page, if not you know, two pages, real quick lessons. But the point is to pray. In the very beginning of this book, at the very beginning of this series, I point out, hey, this is a pointless, do not read this series unless you're going to commit to the challenge in each day. And in doing that, I decided, you know what? I'm not going to, I point this out in the very beginning of the series. I'm not the expert. I'm doing this because I need this. So I'm like, I need to talk to people who are prayers, who are influential and they're Christians. They're people who, who are, are, are trying day in and day out to be the best disciple they can be. Cause me, I'm trying. And I felt like I was failing. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a good prayer warrior. So why am I going to teach about prayer? So I facilitated this, this series, but really I was searching for the right people to, to share their heart on the matter. Uh, and it was an incredible time. It was, it was a time of growth. It was a time of realizing how powerful prayer was everywhere in the Bible. And when I found these guest uh, authors, you being one of them, I gave very little direction. I said, hey, look at kind of the, the layout of what's been done so far. That's it. Just, just do that. So I didn't give any scripture. I didn't give, I'm just like, share your heart on prayer, give a small lesson, give a challenge. And people did it. And it was awesome because I saw each person connects with God through prayer in such different ways, but they connect with God in prayer. And that's the, that's the constant. So it was, it was amazing. Was there one, uh, one day in particular or one uh, article that really challenged you personally whether it was one that you were writing and you're like, I really need this. Or if it was something that uh, contri- somebody contributing gave you and you're like, I'm not sure if I want to put this on the website because then I'm going to have to do this. Like, was, there, was there one that really Actually, jumped out at you? The, you know, what I'll say is the intro of the book is, is something I stole from an obituary of a man named Wilner Cornelly. And uh, a guy named A.T. Arneson in our family of churches wrote this obituary about him. And I think deep down, this is where this book idea probably started because this intro was added to the book. It wasn't originally part of the series, but in his obituary, he names what this man Wilner Cornelly did in his life, the places he went, churches he started, uh, fellowships that he revived, all this amazing stuff. 
But he spends this large chunk of the obituary saying that for 20 years, every single day, Wilner Cornelly woke up an hour before he had to, to pray for one whole hour, every year, every day, every year, 20 years. And when I saw that, not only was I overwhelmingly convicted, thinking, man, I am not, I'm not even close to that like, at all. That's, that's so far away from where I am spiritually. But I was inspired because this man's life was then in that, in that sentence, it was contributed to the power that prayer has and the power that God has when we pray faithfully. And I could, you know, the series is great. People had such amazing ideas, but I always come back to, if we can all be like that guy, I mean, if every Christian that exists prayed powerfully every day, like he did, I couldn't even imagine what the world would look like right now. I mean, it would be incredible. We would be, I mean, God would be working in every way that he wants to, you know? So I'll continue my interview with Daniel in just a moment. Well, hey guys, if you've been listening to the episodes for the last week, you know that I recently released a new book. The book is called Small Group Leader Secrets, and it tackles the question of how to lead a thriving Christian small group without doing everything yourself. Um, There was an episode last week where I even read the intro for you guys so you know kind of what to expect and the kind of things that uh, we tackle in the book. And if you're listening to this, you can still pre-order it. And if you pre-order it before July 13th, you will get a autographed copy of the book. On June 13th, I am uh, ordering the first run of books before it's available online. And so if you pre-order the book, you'll get a signed copy with my John Hancock on it, except it'll say Travis Albritton for obvious reasons. And I'm also throwing in a little uh, a little gift as well. And so you'll have that surprise coming your way. But uh, if you have appreciated this podcast, if you've learned anything from this podcast, if it's helped you in any way, it would mean the world to me if you would consider pre-ordering this book just as a small token of your gratitude and appreciation and as a way to support uh, this podcast and to help keep it going. Um, All you have to do is go to smallgroupleadersecrets.com and pre-order the book. And uh, if you have any questions for me at all, just jump on into the podcast Facebook group, which there's a link in the show notes for this episode, and you can just jump on over there, ask me your questions, I'll answer any questions you have. But guys, I'm just so grateful for each and every one of you. It's smallgroupleadersecrets.com, pre-order the book, and uh, let's jump back into the rest of the interview with Daniel. Uh, One more thing I wanted to highlight uh, from from your teaching ministry is uh, there was an article you posted that really caught my eye about using Facebook to help someone become a Christian. Yeah. And, and I want to I ask you to kind of uh, talk through that because this is, this is a very common conversation is social yeah. media is becoming very prevalent. Um, yes. How can we use this as a tool to actually help people become Christians? And you had a, an amazing story of, someone becoming a Christian because starting from a Facebook post. So, so kind of dive yeah. into what that was, that, that story. Yeah. So this is incredible and completely attributed to God and his miracle working. But what I did right when I moved to Spain is I was part of a cohort 
of 600 odd English teachers. And that's how I made my money over there is I was an English teacher uh, alongside about 600 other people who were all part of this group. We had a little uh, week long introduction to Spain and we had classes, we had, you know, prep work, all this random stuff. So before anything even started, the first thing I did when I was in Spain is I networked with all these people, most of them American, but a lot of them even from Europe and different countries and in the European countries. And uh, what I found and really what I was inspired to do was every single person here, with the exception of a couple who came like with their bud is in a country they're not familiar with in a place they don't know anything about in maybe a language they're not familiar with. A lot of them spoke Spanish. Not all of them did. And it, it, it honestly, it felt like college all over again. You know, when someone first goes to college, they're like, you know, sometimes they, they walk with their, you know, with a chest out trying to act like they got it all together. No one has it all together when they first start college. They just don't. Okay. And uh, that's how I felt in this cohort is like, this is amazing. This, these people are all searching for something. And so we had this large Facebook group for all of us. Again, it was probably six or 700 people in this group. Uh, and so I, I posted a couple times in the first few days, Hey guys, I'm just like you, but I'm here uh, with a church that's connected with several churches. And I did a tiny little history of myself. You know, I was in this church and then that church and then that church, then that church, then that church, all these churches. And I told them every single one was a part of this family, including the Madrid church that I'm now in currently. And I said, here's what our services are. This is the atmosphere. They were so welcoming. Come as you are. We, we love God. We love people. Please just try it out. And it was really encouraging because that post, I was like, eh, whatever. Like, if everyone hates me for this, like, who cares? I'm in Spain. I'm never going to see him again. But if one person is interested, I have done my part. And so actually a lot of people liked it tons. I mean, probably 25 or 30 people in that first post said, that's amazing. I would love to come. What's the, you know, what's the address, please. Here's my, you know, WhatsApp. Everyone has WhatsApp over there, the app and everyone's got, here's my number. Please tell me about it. Uh, I'll be there. So over the next several weeks, people actually did come. Not, not as many as said were interested, but I would say probably five to 10 people uh, came at different points. Some came frequently, others came once and we never saw them again. But then probably a whole month after I made that post, I get a message from someone on WhatsApp and it wasn't on Facebook. And I don't even remember them saying anything on Facebook. It just, Hey, uh, you know, I saw you post something maybe a month ago and I haven't thought really think anything about it, but you know, I've actually wanted to find a church here are you guys still meeting? Like, is this still something I can come to? Like, dude, yeah, of course. It's only been like a month. Like, why would you not? No, you can't come anymore. No, so he, <laughs> he texts me and uh, I said, yeah, absolutely come. He comes and, uh, and he likes it and there's not much communication. He, he, he says a few things. I say a few things. We introduce ourselves and it's kind of like it ends there. He maybe meets a few people while he's there. And then he comes back and then he comes back again. And then I actually get really sick and he goes to this event that our campus singles ministry has that's bowling or something. And I remember he, he messaged me, Hey, I heard something about an event tonight. Oh yeah, man, I'm not going to be there. I'm super sick, but please go. I mean, people are awesome. They're going to totally welcome you. So he goes and he goes and he connects with everyone else there. I'm like, thank you, God. Cause I love when like, okay, now he has infiltrated everyone else. Like I'm not his point of contact and his exclusive point of contact. So from that Bible studies were set up 
And, you know, I, I was a part of those, but I didn't even set them up, which was awesome. Uh, because I'm like, man, this is like Facebook has created this. Uh, and so months go by there. Everyone kind of goes their own way, travels for, for Christmas, comes back in January. Uh, long story short, he studies the Bible. He's convicted. He is, uh, he's moved by the word of God and he becomes a disciple. We baptized him in Spain. And then he goes back to the United States. And this is, this is wild. Okay. He goes back to the United States. He's a graduate student at the university of Michigan where I was baptized. So yeah, he that's awesome. goes back, he goes back to the Detroit church of Christ where he is now faithful with all the people I grew up with spiritually 10 years ago where I was baptized. This man who I met in Spain is now a disciple. It's God works in sometimes just hilarious ways. I mean, it's really cool. So that all started with Facebook. That is incredible. That is incredible. Yeah. Uh, I love, I love hearing that story. Uh, so I want to transition a little bit and I love doing this with uh, everyone I have on the podcast and I love picking their brain on the things that they do in their personal relationships with God. Because I think yeah. each of us have our own personal journey, the things that we pick up along the way. And so I'd love to just kind of pick up some some tips and some uh, tricks from you. So number one, what are some things that you do to stay close to God? So I, I was just having this conversation yesterday. I need my guide. And what I mean by that is, I will fail 100% of the time at being a faithful Christian if I don't have my dudes. And I think Jesus knew that about humanity. And he knew that you can't remain faithful without your guys. And that's why he had 12 disciples, three of which were like, those are my dudes. They're going to go to Gethsemane with me. They're going to see the transfiguration. Who? I mean, what even is the transfiguration? They saw it, okay? And, you know, Peter was all, you know, he kind of went crazy. He was, he was making no sense. So Jesus had his guys. And what I know about myself, wherever I am, no matter what stage of life, when I was single, when I was engaged, now I'm married in college, before college, now I work full time. Every stage of life, I need my guys that I can go to one, two, three dudes that no matter what the situation, how graphic and gory the details I can talk to them and I know they'll, they'll listen. They'll know, even if it sounds like I'm falling off a cliff, that I'm just, I'm just being completely blanket statement about my whole life. I'm like, hey, this is what's going on and I need you. And uh, I have my guys. And it was cool because I just got married. And uh, with the exception of one person, just because we've never lived in the same city, every single one of my guys is a former roommate of mine, I guess the exception of two people. And uh, I realized in college, man, roommates, when you're, it's all the single people listening out there, live with someone. Like, don't live alone. Don't be a hermit. Like, there are lifelong friendships that will lead you through the darkest times that can come from roommates. And that's what I need. I need my guys. I can't do it alone. I know that about myself. I've tried to do it alone. And it just doesn't work. It doesn't work ever. My marriage won't work if I do it alone. My disciple life will not work. Nothing. Nothing works when you do it alone. And that's what I know about myself. Awesome. What are some uh, tools or resources that you like to use when you're trying to go deeper in your Bible study? Um, you know, I sometimes I just read the Bible. I mean, you know, I like to be simple sometimes. But other times, um, so I have a Hebrew Bible and I have a Greek Bible. 
And that's namely because I had to study those, those Bibles. But what I like to do is I like to go to those, either those specific Bibles I have, or even something like Blue Letter Bible. If you don't know what that is, it's a great resource, blueletterbible.com. Literally click a button and it gives you like all the history of that word in every language you can think of. So I use tools like this to, to study the original meaning of a word. And something that I, I try really careful to do when I'm doing this, uh, and I guess my advice to anyone else that does this, every scripture, every Bible we have that's a true translation is comprised of about a hundred plus people who know these languages, the original languages so well, it's scary. And so as you're studying the original languages, just be careful not to say, oh, this is what it really means. No, what it really means is what this group of translators who know more about this language than you ever will decided it means. But what's helpful in seeing the original language is you can, you can start creating these synonyms that might help you grasp a concept in the Bible. Uh, and so, you know, I just had a conversation the other day about the word uh, slave and bondservant and servant in, in the Bible and throughout the New and Old Testament. And, uh, you know, when the Bible says servant or slave or bondservant, again, there's a reason those words were picked. But if you go to the original language, you can see, oh, so bondservant really might be might be kind of like a slave in this in this instance where we're slaves to Christ because otherwise we're slaves to sin. And so I, I like to just. I like, I'm a word guy. And so I like to create all kinds of synonyms and trying to make allegories and uh, illustrate in my mind what something might've looked like. And sometimes that involves looking at like a history of, of a certain people and saying, okay, well, this is what that might've looked like to them. And uh, you know, that's, that's kind of where I go. So. Great. Yeah. F- funny story. I almost got the word doulos tattooed on my body. At one oh, point really? in time. Yes. That, Which, that is the word I was just referring to. Is yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, it was a time where uh, it was more a reflection of my lack of an understanding of grace and being a family member of God. And yeah. More, and more, that's, <laughs> more of like a reaction. This conver- like, yeah. <laughs> like, no, I had this conversation. Oh, yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> we, we can go way too far. And that's why I say just be careful. Like, Oh, this really means slave. It's like, that means you literally are required. No, you're not. It's like you can leave God whenever you want. A true slave can't do that. So it's like, you have to, you have to understand what you're saying when you say, Oh, well, this is what it really means. No, it, it really means what it says. Like just read it and trust the people that have translated it. So that's, that's where I tend to lean more times than not. Yeah. I'm a big blue letter Bible fan myself. Blue letter Bible is great. Yes. All right. Final question. All right. This, this yeah. is the, the, the quote unquote, the big the one. Grand right? finale. So for someone who's listening to this, a Christian yeah. who uh, is looking for some clarity, some direction in their life, um, and they want to make an impact for God, what advice would you give to that person? Uh, first, pray. And uh, that's the cliche, but just do it. Pray and pray exactly what Travis just asked. If you have this on your heart, you want to do something big for God, pray, pray, God, what, what does that look like in my life? What's big for God in your life might not be going to Afghanistan and planning the largest church in our movement. That might, that might not be what it looks like. It might be being the best husband or wife on the face of the earth, serving selflessly without ever complaining for the next 30 years. That might be the quote, big thing for God's kingdom that God has in mind for you. But I would say pray first. Uh, second, I think 
oftentimes I've wrote, I've written about this a few times. I think sometimes we get really caught up in what is the will of God. And what I'll say to that, God's will every single time, and this is foolproof. I promise this is God's will every single time is that you glorify him in your life. Okay. That's the constant. So let's just, let's keep that as a constant. Then when we ask, what is God's will for my life? I think that's the wrong question. Yep. We need to be asking not, not what is God's will for my life, but what kind of me does God need for his will? And that's the question I don't think enough of us are asking because I think all of us have this idea of, well, you know, God, what is your will? Is it this or is it that? Why have we decided that God's will falls into one of three categories? You know, it's God's will is so much bigger than should I move here? Like, Hey, should I go to that school? Like what's the best? I think we, we over spiritualize life by categorizing is God's will a is God's will B or is God's will C no God's will is that you glorify him. Go do whatever the heck you want and glorify him. And he is pleased that that is foolproof. Again, foolproof. If God is glorified, then what you're doing is the right thing. And uh, so I would just say, don't over-spiritualize it. Live your life, be you, and be you the best you can be for God. Glorify him in everything you do. Be righteous, be holy, just glorify him. And and you're going to be doing big, that is doing big things for the kingdom of God. I love it. That is a great place to 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 sign off here, Daniel. It's been a blast. Yeah. Thank you so much for jumping on the podcast. Thank you, Travis. Such a great interview. So many takeaways. Uh, I, I definitely appreciate Daniel's uh, mindset and his approach to ministry. It's very pragmatic, very practical, very in keeping with the, the spirit of this podcast. But a couple of things that I really loved. One was just his heart to devote as much effort to studying the Bible as he did to his college degree. I know it's so easy for me to see my Bible as a job or a chore, and it's not something I'm excited about, and then it's not something that I work towards. You know, things that I enjoy doing, I put more work into because it's not hard to do those things. And so just from, it was a great reminder for me just to make sure that my heart in my Bible study needs to, uh, needs to be as serious as I want it to be. And then also just his willingness to try new things, to, to take people on a journey with him that as he tried reading the Bible in 30 days, and as he really devoted himself to putting together that series on prayer, that it wasn't coming from a mindset or an attitude of, I know all this stuff already, you need to learn from me, but it was more about sharing his journey and allowing other people to go on the journey with him. And I think that's so practical for all of us that we don't have to have everything figured out in order to help people. You don't have to be the number one expert in the world on a subject in order to help someone else. I uh, left links in the details for this episode for everything we talked about, Daniel's ministry, uh, for Blue Letter Bible, which him and I, we both uh, love using. And so you can find all those links in the show notes for this episode. Now, in next week's interview, I get to sit down with Brady Shearer. Brady started a company to help churches leverage technology and the internet to help spread the gospel in their communities and to help their churches grow and stay better connected. So many great things that we talked about. And here is just a a sneak peek of what you can expect next week of my interview with Brady. 
But at the end of the day, the way we see it is that attention is the most valuable commodity that your church can possess. You know, we like to think as churches, and I agree, we're sharing the greatest story of all time. But if no one's paying attention to that story, it doesn't really matter whether it's eternity with Christ or a discounted oil change, because if no one can hear that message, it does not matter if it's the ShamWow or Jesus. And, and so understanding where attention is being paid is really the first step to accomplishing our church's vision and mission and, and reasons for existence. Well, that is it for today. Make sure to smash that subscribe button to get access to daily practical tips. Leave a review in Apple Podcasts for your chance to get a shout out next Friday or on a future Friday as the super fan of the week. And make sure to tune in tomorrow to hear my biggest takeaway from my interview today with Daniel. Every day is an opportunity to grow closer to God and make a positive impact on the people around you. Take action with what you've learned and help make the world a little more like heaven. I'm Travis Albritton, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.